Hey guys, welcome and welcome back to SoFloor, the official gathering place for newbies, novices, and OG diehard fans of the golden age of primetime. I'm your host, Jet, and we're viewing and reviewing the Sophia Studzia's primetime storylines of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. It's the season three, episode four showdown. Each iconic primetime soap has its main players asking, what shall I do now? New info on Dallas has Pam contemplating a, rock, a hard place type decision. Will secrets cripple her already fragile relationship? Dynasty has a funeral to plan before the ink on the marriage license is dry. Is this what Alexis wanted or is revenge better served up by a duo? Falcon Crest bids adieu to a regular and celebrates the return of a fallen golden boy. Well, maybe celebrates a strong word, but we acknowledge his presence with music close enough, right? I'm giving you the good, the bad, the bold, and the bubbly of three iconic soaps, so whether you're new to this or true to this, sit back and enjoy. Tell the kids to play outside or out of sight, so obey no questions, suggestions, or concerns for the next 10, 15, 20 minutes. Tell everyone else in earshot to be cool, be quiet, or you will be kicked out because it is the Versus episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Soap Lore. Hey guys, I hope spring is treating you all well. Thanks for joining me on another fun-filled edition of Soap Lore. We've watched all three, the evidence is apparent, and it's time to decide who did it best. Season three is a brand new ball game. We got a few cleanups on all three that were a little bit more dominant than I'd like. But ultimately, this is an experience to just enjoy good old-fashioned, soapy, ridiculous television. And I would say that almost each show brought just that. Let's start off with the music, actually. Budgets have gone up. These shows were solidified by season three. People are clearly watching and they needed to to fan the flame, if you will, just a little bit. The Rocky Five segment or Rocky Four, whatever, whichever one that Apollo Creed is in. I think that's like two or three. I don't know. It's been forever since I've seen Rocky. But the music they put behind Chase's recovery was incredible. It it rivals a Marvel movie today. And this is just network television. You're doing nothing on a Thursday evening at 8 p.m. for no good reason. This man is being lifted by 75 nurses put into a three-leaf clover pool, boiled back to health <laughs> in the tiniest of shorts, but the music behind it was popping. Another scene from a different soap was on Dallas. Pam and what's her name? Lucy are minding their own business, heading off to their respective places for the day. And the villain music that they put behind Valvoline or, okay, I got to get this woman's name. Let's call her V. Behind V's, it wasn't really a chase. A chase implies that someone knows you're running after them. So she was stealthily, and I put that in big quotation, stealthily following her daughter who she's abandoned on four or five different occasions. We'll get into that in a bit. And lastly, Dynasty, as dramatic of an episode, it was, they weren't really pumping the music as loudly, but it's definitely back. Crystal was outside for no reason, y'all. So she's wearing a maxi dress. I'm going to call it a dress for the sake of this conversation, although I think it was meant to be a cover-up. It's a dolman sleeve, and a dolman sleeve, for those of you who don't know, is more like a bat sleeve. Everything's kind of connected. It's from, there's no cutoff point directly from the top. Imagine you're wearing like a sweatshirt, and you have sleeves, 
a dolman sleeve would actually be just like a bigger sleeve and it's connected lower than your armpit. So she's got on this beautiful periwinkle blue dolman sleeved maxi dress, but it's made out of like this terry cloth material. So I'm assuming that was a cover up. They're playing this music as she feeds her koi fish outside. Very dramatic for no reason. We might as well go ahead and discuss the good on the episode of Dynasty. I'm not saying that I wasn't thoroughly entertained, but there is nothing super noteworthy. We all know that Cecil dies. We all know that he embarrasses the hell out of Blake at his own funeral, which is, I mean, way to think ahead. Way to plan ahead. I just don't think I could be angry that long to think, okay, on my deathbed, let me make sure that I tell my lawyer where that tape is. I recorded Blake making a complete teetotal fool of himself. I want him to know that the reason he was three blind mice was because of me. I want him to know that that check he wanted to rub in my face came from me. That's a different level of satisfaction. And quite frankly, I'm not that forward thinking, at least when it comes to grudges. That's far too deep in the future to think about. But well done. That's absolutely probably the best part. There was this sort of conversation that they tried to have with Fallon. Now, Fallon, I really wanted her to be one of my favorite people. And I'm starting to notice that as long as you're not pandering to her, i.e. her dad, pandering to her or Jeff, for that matter, in a relationship, she's actually quite fascinating. And she's as vicious as Blake, but she's as smart as Alexis. Case in point. She's working on her hotel. She wants to gussy it up. She doesn't want it to just be this. She doesn't want it to just be a hotel. She wants it to be an experience. And Crystal comes to her defense when speaking to Blake. Blake feels like this is another one of her schemes, another one of her fly-by-night things. And he only agreed to let her run this place so that she and the baby would move out of his 50-plus room mansion. By the way, they keep bringing up how many rooms are in this mansion, yet we only see two or three at a time. Anyway. Blake thinks that she's just going through a phase. He's waiting for it to fizzle out where Crystal tries to tell him like, listen, sometimes a woman needs something that's just her own. She's a new mom. She's in a relationship she doesn't really want to be in. And she's a smart girl. Let her do this and believe in her. Don't just, don't just pander to her, like believe that she's going to run this well. And they show a couple scenes where she's working with her designer, who's actually like a stage designer. I think he is Basil from Austin Powers. Yeah, Austin, I can't even say Austin Powers, Austin Powers, one of those. And maybe he's Basil in all of them. Basil is how he calls him. She champions for her, but I just, everything Crystal says to me seems to be, she's not quite Blake's conscience. And she really doesn't have anything going for her other than disliking Alexis at this point. Season two, she didn't have the baby. She had a mild breakdown, but she quickly got back into the swing of wearing thousand dollar outfits every day for no reason in her home, bossing people around. And it's just, it's not really giving much. I anticipate that her relationship with Alexis will grow. I know they have more cat fights because like I said, y'all, all of a sudden, I'm starting to see little videos popping up from, from the OG, the diehard fans who watched it back in the day, or maybe watched it earlier than I did. And they are recreating some of these scenes and I'm loving it. That doesn't spoil anything for me. It's not fully in context. I know that they don't like each other, but it's been pretty fun to watch a few of those. Okay. So the good with that is Cecil's reveal 
The lawyer being squeamish. That was hilarious. Let's see. I'm going to leave it at that. And, and Fallon showing her. Oh, oh, I didn't talk about that. So she's talking to Basil. And he's expressing to her that most of the patrons just want everything to stay exactly the way it is. And she's like, okay, great. I don't really care when they have their money. They can do what they want, but I'm going to run this the way I see fit. And that's who I always thought she would be. From episode one, she seems so smart, so sharp, so savvy. And from what I understand, I think the new Fallon on the new dynasty is a little bit more like that. And that's what you want to see. This whole Jeff thing. That's another thing. Let's get to the bad. Let's go on and get to the bad. Jeff walks in at one point to the hotel, which I guess is going to be the new. There's usually that hotel they go to to have lunch, but this must be the new hangout spot for season three. Jeff walks in. He sees her cocktailing it up with Basil from Goldmember and he gets jealous. Once again, didn't he run through two or three people already at this point? Jeff is slipping into this, this very strange position where he's becoming the new Tuscany, meaning he's going to be in a lot of scenes. He's always around, but he's usually the sounding board for someone else. He's so that you can pull the emotion out of the other characters instead of from Jeff himself. And he seems to be a favorite. Like he's very likable. He's obviously the best choice to, um, he, you can have a lot of drama around him because he is still so innocent, but he's not afraid to check people when he needs to. Refer back to the time he cussed everybody out at the birthday party, called Fallon an iguana. You know, he, he's got it in him. He's got the spine, but he just hasn't had the opportunity. The other bad is, I'm not going to call it bad. Let's call it neutral. Michael Adam. Here's the thing. It's hard to tell on these sorts of soap opera if it's just bad. It's like watching a Lifetime movie. I can't tell if... <laughs> I can't tell if you want me to believe that you're being serious or if you understand that I'm not taking you seriously. As the audience, Michael is flouncing around. He's trying to get to the bottom of things. He seems to be polite, caring, but there is something so creepy about him. And he's looking less and less like J.C. Shazay to me. Thank God. I'm not going to say he's a bad part, but I just... I don't know. I kind of wonder now if he is Cecil's son. That was just kind of thrown in out of nowhere. The drama on this episode was perfect. You had a funeral. You had a a big reveal done in a great way. RIP to Cecil. But not much else happened. I will say as far as building upon the storyline, the fact that Adam has popped up is, is interesting enough to keep me like intrigued for the next few episodes at least. I want to talk about Falcon Crest right now. One of the bigger things that happened is that Vicky still hasn't told her parents that her much older, much creepier husband decided that it was more important to sleep with his ex than it was to maintain and build a new marriage with her. So she has decided that she is going to head back to New York on the first thing smoking. She's going to start dancing and doing all the things she wanted to do. Great. Am I going to miss her? No, not at all. Chase's recovery is great because quite frankly, we couldn't drag that story out any further. Dr. Cousins, whose name is Dr. Michael, I guess he's going to start working there now. I guess he decided to fully stay. He and Maggie had yet another discussion about him using his God-given gifts, which is an important thing to do in life. It's very important. We all have gifts. We may not all recognize them, but being 
granted this is a television show where life imitates art and I think I can find the lesson in anything. Being someone who's able to comfort other people is huge. We don't live in a very friendly world. We live in a very hostile world. So even if he weren't a doctor on the show, the fact that he's there to kind of comfort her, he brings he brings a softness to the Giaberti family that we haven't seen since season one. Like season one, they were super naive and, and low key. Chase is a really crappy dad. And so was, uh, well, Maggie isn't a dad, but they were kind of crappy parents. If you think about it, their kids are getting arrested. They're having affairs with their teachers. They're doing all the things and they're so distracted by their own personal hopes and dreams that they don't catch this. Season two, you know, it's more about the vineyard and this whole murder. They built season two totally around the murder, which worked. And it sped things up from season one where, like I said, they were, something would happen and then they tied up in a nice little boy. It felt more like Scooby-Doo in the mystery van than it did a full-on soap opera. They've definitely upped the bubbles this third go around. And although they're moving through the story a little bit quicker, I still find that they are like they're doing that thing where we wrap it up in a nice, neat little bow, but they're doing it. They're taking a little longer to do it. So they don't wrap it up every episode, but it appears every two or three, they might close out a story that isn't really serving the greater good, which is good. That's called good writing. That's kind of, it's called reading the room and it works in this case. Chase is going to be back at the the vineyard. He already knows Angela's been on his neck forever. So that's not going to be anything new. Richard is the wild card this season. We don't know if he's still the antagonist. He doesn't seem to be. He seems to be much more focused on building his own business. And of course, he says he wants to, he wants to have revenge on Angela, but nothing has really come of that yet. So the bad on this episode is very little. The only thing I could say is that it was really slow. Wasn't a lot of action. There was an impact, but there was not a lot of action. Chase coming back to the story. He's not dying. And um, Dr. Landry kind of having his hands tied at this point is, is, is okay. So that's the bad. I have nothing really bad. The good is kind of the same this week. There's nothing super extraordinary. Do we all think Chase was going to die? Not a chance. You know, he was going to snap out of it. He's in on, he's on his Miami Vice. His perm is picked out. Excuse me. That was disrespectful. He does not have a perm. I'm sorry. He has a natural hair. His fro is puffed out. He's wearing a silver suit that looks like my grandma's curtains from back in the day. I mean, all is well. Nothing really to tell. Melissa tried to play Richard, but he was already, you know, game recognizes game. Allegedly, he had a vasectomy. I seriously doubt that. Um, the best part, of course, is that Emma has herself a little crush. So I can't wait to see how whimsical she is around Dr. Cousins, who's not really her cousin, but her cousin's cousin. There we go. You can date your cousin's cousin. It's fine. All right, Dallas. Dallas is doing well. I had to think about that for a second. This is the second episode where we understand that there is a family disease that is genetic that is passed down to every child. It just may or may not wreak havoc on said child. Pam finding out that she was pregnant this episode, I would say is good. It was interesting. It definitely stirs up the bubbles a little bit more. Her and the Bobby thing. Now, this is my thing. They're so in love. 
They're always close. You would think that'd be the first thing she tells him, but of course we need to build up drama so she doesn't. Valvoline, V, excuse me. I know I said her, call her V. V, and I really don't know her name. It's either Valvoline, Val, it's not Valerie, something like that. Valisa, Balance, something like that. Something like, sounds like something else, but with a V. Okay, they sit in her back and she is skittish at best. She's got those big non-blinking eyes, those drawn on eyebrows. I think that's the thing. Her eyebrows are curved in such a way that it is a little bit distracting from the rest of her face. And her story is a little bit tired. She's still working at a diner and there's no shame. There's nothing wrong with working at a diner. But I just think she disappeared to go where exactly And she came back into town and for whatever reason, she still wanted to work at the diner, I guess, just build up a little bit of money. But at this point, Lucy doesn't need you. Lucy doesn't need her to raise her. She's already 18. She's already going to Southern Methodist. Her family is taking care of everything. So it makes me wonder, I've always said this on the show, Lucy seems to be an afterthought. The first five episodes, she was front and center because she was the Lolita. It's like once she decided to put her head on even a little bit straight, they lost interest in her and she doesn't really talk to Ray anymore. She doesn't really talk to anybody. She just pops up occasionally. And it seems like such a waste because she's at the perfect age. She's 18. So she's, she's an adult, even if she is a kid. So she can get into enough trouble on her own to keep the storyline pumping. Her mom coming back and them having this little reunion who knows? I'm, I'm hoping it's a setup for something else. That's what happened last season on Dyn- Dynasty, on Dallas. It was definitely, they they referred back to the beginning of the season. So that's just what I'm going to assume they're going to do. So that was, what did I call it? The good or the bad? The bad is Valvoline's face. She's incredibly distracting for no good reason. She's very dramatic. And we'll just have to see how that turns out. The story is good. Again, it's another one where it was a little bit slow. The whole Pam thing is just Pam kind of going through the gambit of emotions, deciding whether or not she's going to tell Bobby anything. And of course, she has not told him a single thing. She's considering aborting the baby so she can just kind of not have to deal with its death inevitably. And that's a hard decision. It's a tough decision, but... In the world of a soap opera, there's only so long you can play that up. There's only so long you can play that up because that kid's going to be six months before you know it. You know they move at warp speed. He's probably already four months. His mama, Sue Ellen, is not interested. She definitely has postpartum disease, but she also has that resentment. So, okay, was there anything good? JR is always good to me. I, I just love seeing him. Oh, and that, that euphoria kids doppelganger the longer the episode went on he didn't really look like him but if you catch him at a certain angle like there's a certain smirk on his face he looks he does they look alike i take that back i'm not gonna say he doesn't look anything like him they look a lot alike um you know it's just a little bit different he's not as tall for sure and the lawyer himself seems to be a little bit skeezy so i am enjoying that it seems like jr has found an equal Someone to do dirt for him. Meanwhile, Bobby is still skulking at home, riding horses and taking care of the ranch and whatnot. Although all three episodes had their lulls, they were all a little bit slow this week. I have to give it to Dynasty hands down. 
They absolutely have the best story this week. And ultimately, Alexis now has power. She's not just the ex-wife who showed up out of nowhere. The thing I liked about her, and I still like about her, is when she first came onto the show, it was just fun. She seemed like the Joker, like Heath Ledger version of the Joker, where you never really know if they're too serious. You never really know if they want to destroy things. Kind of looks like she just wants to see what's going to happen. She likes to just stir the pot and see what happens. But now she can stir that pot and she can write a check. She has backing people. She is blue blood. She was broke. And now she's got that blue blood new money. This can only equal success. All right, that's it for this week. Congratulations to Dynasty. Thank you guys for listening. Next week, we're going to jump into episode five of all three seasons on Dynasty. That is the sibling. We obviously know who that's about. So God willing, we get this this disgusting thing over with between Fallon and Michael Adams. On Falcon Crest, it's called Judge and Jury. So I'm hoping that's about Julia's, what is it, her, her trial. See if she's going to spend any more time in the penitentiary. And Dallas, it's called The Kristen Affair. Remember to stay moisturized, stay hydrated, mind your business, and keep all of your drama on TV.